Ansem and I are taking a little bit of a different spin on this week's episode. Instead of focusing on a broad topic like the past weeks, we will be discussing how we have found success in online school. Now, this might seem like a not very pressing world issue, but online school is at the center of the world for many teenagers and young adults right now. And therefore, we believe that it is something very important to discuss. Um, For just a little bit of context, Alberta's provincial government has mandated that grades 7 to 12 will be learning from home starting last Monday, November 30th, to the 11th of January, a week after Christmas break concludes. As many of us know, online school is not an ideal way to learn for many of us. It is isolating, stressful, and oftentimes low quality. While it seems as if nothing is in our control right now, we wanted to share a few things we're doing to ensure we still thrive emotionally and academically while distance learning. Before I begin this episode, I also want to mention that I have finally, after months, after months of procrastination and also work, simultaneous hard work and procrastination, I have submitted all nine of my university applications. So um, hopefully behind the scenes you all are applauding me because that was an experience to say the absolute least. Um, What's weird, oh my God, I'm gonna cut this part out, but what's weird is that I like tried the hardest on the applications to schools I know I won't be going to, nor Mm -hmm. even want to go. But for some reason, I tried so hard on the application. I like... Well, because aren't aren't the UK ones the only ones you have to write essays for? So, like, you have to try hard. No, for the U... Well, like, I also tried hard at the UBC one, and I didn't, like... I don't know. Oh, my God, you applied to UBC? I didn't really need to, because I'm, like, far and beyond above the... Yeah, I I literally handed in last, last night, on the very last day... Me too. I like edit it like way too many times. Oh, anyways, I'm glad that's over with. Mine's not very good. I get like very philosophical and it's not good. So that's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. We will move on. If you're interested at all in our university application journeys, we are planning on making an episode dedicated to that whole situation. Now, I wouldn't allow myself to consider this a commentary podcast of any kind without giving a little bit of current events and context to the transition to online school for many of us here in Alberta. Um, And also internationally, we'll touch on that as well. But for now, Ansem, I'll let you take the lead as far as Alberta and the state of COVID in Canada. Okay, yeah. So in like the recent weeks since around the beginning of November, the amount of COVID cases in Canada as a whole has more than doubled in just this month. And so um, in Alberta, cases have also spiked significantly, and this has forced the Alberta government to declare another public health emergency. And so one of the major reasons why they are doing this, obviously, cases are spiking, but also um, our hospitals are running out of space, right? Because we're having to double bunk patients, which basically means that we have two patients in a room designed for one and in prisons as well. I read somewhere that they have like three prisoners in an area meant for one. And this puts a strain on staff and also like equipment, right? Ventilators, that sort of thing. And 
in an attempt to reduce cases, the government has banned indoor social gatherings and capped outdoor gatherings at 10 people. And like Lindsay said earlier, um, students in grades 7 to 12 have moved um, school to our homes and on Google Meet. I just wanted to add that I did read today on CBC, uh, just earlier today, that uh, apparently how the Alberta government asked the federal government uh, and uh, the Red Cross for field hospitals as COVID spreads across our province. Uh, So we are obviously struggling with, uh, you know, soaring COVID-19 cases um, and our hospitals are overwhelmed. Healthcare workers are overwhelmed. So this is definitely a very demanding and pressing situation right now. Internationally speaking, however, I do not think it will come to a surprise to anyone that as of recording, the state of COVID-19 is not fantastic. Uh, Just today, there were over 500,000 cases reported worldwide. And it, it has become quite clear that complacency among public health precautions like mask wearing and physical distancing is brewing for sure. And, um, you know, not to mention the individuals who still fundamentally disagree with these health measures in the first place are, are, are still disagreeing with them, right? That still poses a huge problem and still um, still add to the, to the rising cases, uh, especially when we see you know, major holidays like Thanksgiving uh, just last weekend in, in the States and Christmas coming up, uh, you know, the festive season that's obviously going to impact the amount of cases we have, not only in North America, but across the world as well, as we see a rise in travel. So that's certainly a concern. Uh, we've also reached the point in this pandemic where we also must consider the role of, of the vaccine, right? Uh, many countries and pharmaceutical companies are rushing to approve and develop this vaccine with efficacy and safety equally in mind. And just back to those skeptics of health precautions, we of course have the anti-vaxxers and the people who are skeptical about the the accelerated authorization of the vaccine. So that's definitely a concern as well because the vaccine can really only be as effective as the amount of people who it is administered in, right? So that's a concern. Uh, And in fact, it was just announced today, December 2nd, that the United Kingdom would grant emergency approval to a Pfizer COVID vaccine. I hope I'm pronouncing that pharmaceutical company correctly. Uh, They begin to vaccinate citizens over 80 years of age and healthcare workers in the coming weeks, which is very interesting. Um, So yeah, with this, we see that the UK is uh, one of the first countries to authorize the use of a COVID vaccine, aside from Russia and China, who uh, approved vaccines before the results of wide-scale efficacy tests were available. Interesting. Uh, According to the New York Times, uh, the U.S. FDA plans to decide on emergency authorization for the same vaccine shortly. So that is also very interesting to consider. Uh, As for Canada, I'm not 100% sure about the state uh, of vaccine in our country yet. Um, All I know is that um, our, like, Health Canada is working to approve the vaccines um, shortly, but they haven't really given a date yet. And I believe um, Alberta should be able to give out vaccines on January the 4th, but I could be wrong on that. That's actually very soon. I thought it was much later. And um, of course, I, I, I believe this is pretty much a standard that the priority for vaccines will go to uh, those at risk and healthcare workers, of course. 
So now, to the point of the episode, um, tips for online school. Now, before I begin, I do want to mention that these are some of the practices, Ansem and I, mostly I, I feel like I kind of stole the thunder on this episode. I'm sorry about that, Ansem. Um, have been implementing into our routines, I guess. I made these strange online school eras. Uh, you know, if I if I were to tell myself one year ago today that I would be producing a podcast episode about succeeding in online school, I would have never believed you. For one, I wouldn't have really believed that I would have a podcast, for one, but also that that, that would be needed. Like, I've never really imagine that online school would play such a significant role in my life but here we are and yeah even to go even further on so I was talking about this with uh someone the other day isn't it strange to think that when all is said and done we will look back on high school and know that we spent half of it in a pandemic like imagine going back to your junior high self and telling yourself that I don't know. I find that very weird, very strange, um, and also incredibly sad. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I digress, right? The, the fact is, is that online learning simply cannot be executed to an equal standard of excellence as conventional learning, right? Um, I've seen it myself firsthand. It can be really good and really effective, but unfortunately, far too many factors must play a role in one situation when considering the quality of learning. Um, for one, one's access to technology, right? With this, uh, we see that learning remotely often requires a very reliable access to technology and internet connection, which is unfortunately not some, something everyone has, right? A lot of people, a lot of people might be uh, having to uh, share access to a piece of technology and not have a reliable internet connection. Um, all of these, th- these things, um, I can only imagine incredibly prevalent. I just want to add that we're incredibly fortunate in Canada just to have access to like Chromebook cards and um, EPSB has allowed students like me to like take home Chromebooks to use at home. And that's a luxury that kids or students in other countries likely don't have. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm definitely in a position of privilege when it comes to uh, succeeding in online school. I will not deny that. Um, that is the case for me, but yeah, I think that the transition to online school, this isn't really necessarily my notes, has actually been pretty well done by, uh, Edmonton public schools. I must, I must say they've tried to make it very smooth, very, very easy for, uh, everyone. Um, and I find that very impressive. So, um, I guess hats off to the teachers, um, and everyone doing their part to, keep us engaged and keep us learning, right? Secondly, uh, as another factor that we have um, is, oh, sorry, Ansem, did you want to add something there? Oh, I was just going to ask you, are you enjoying like online learning now or did you like it better when it was like back in March when we didn't really have Google Meet calls and just kind of were given assignments? Right, so um, what Ansem is asking here is essentially, from March to June of last year, when I was in grade 11, our online school consisted of primarily asynchronous learning. So we were just given uh, either videos or different articles to read, textbook assignments, and we just find our own time to do the work on our own. And now we have like live classes via Google Meet. So it's all synchronous with uh, your class. 
I don't know. I, I'm still on the fence between both of them. I think they both have strengths and weaknesses. What I definitely don't like about like today's style, I guess, with the synchronous learning and everything over Google Meet is that, you know, the classes are extremely long. They're already designed to be extremely long due to the quarter system, right? But now it's basically just our teacher talking at us for like two and a half hours, right? Because if we were in a conventional setting, there'd be little side comments, side conversations with your classmates. Uh, Your teacher would make a joke. She'd go on a little tangent about something. uh, And it'd be pretty fun, right? It it would, time would pass by a lot faster. Uh, It it would be much easier to ask questions in class if a concept was unclear. Um, So now it's, it's definitely not that. However, I don't know, I can't say whether it's just me holding myself accountable because I'm taking my 30 levels far more seriously than I did my uh, 20 levels or my grade 11 classes. But I think that the synchronous style of this of this year's online learning is definitely holding me accountable a little bit more. Um, but again, like the longer class times is really annoying for me because for, like I'm not used to sitting at my desk for like six hours for one class. Like usually I'd just be at my I'd be at school and I'd be learning the content for two and a half hours. I'd come home and I'd do my like two, two and a half hours of homework. But now I'm, I'm, I'm spending all of that time at my desk and it's very weird. That was a very long response, but what do you think also? What's your take? Honestly, I am, would like a combination of both just because I'm pretty sure I heard my gym teacher say that there was like a minimum amount of time that they had to spend on the Google Meet. And I really enjoy having like lectures or presentations um, synchronous because kind of your teacher can go on tangents or rants about whatever we're talking about, or we can have current events discussions, which I, as you probably know, would greatly enjoy. I don't know. I guess to wrap up my point is that I would just like to have kind of a combination of both. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you on that too. The other factor I, I must mention, and there are infinite, right? There's so many factors that go into uh, one's experience with this. But another factor that plays a very large role in this is our class sizes, right? Uh, small class sizes are a concept very popular to teachers, students, and parents alike, right? Unfortunately, they are not necessarily financially feasible for many schools and school districts. So consistent access to small class sizes often require a private education, which again, uh, is generally not readily available to the masses. Um, But if you're interested in hearing more about the comparison of this, of uh, public versus private education and and online learning, I welcome you to check out our education in a pandemic. uh, I believe it was part one episode. I'm not sure. Uh, but we'll link that in the show notes for you to uh, take a listen to. You know, but 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 to put it simply, I guess, the advantage of a smaller class size is clear. More personalized learning, more one-on-one time with your teacher. Uh, right now, I am in a remote online math class with 30 other students, and I don't think it's easy for any of us, us students uh, and the teacher. Um, it's, yeah. I'm not sure I'm really going to go on further than that, but this this brings me to the next factor, I guess, is uh, your teacher and uh, their commitment to educating given these unprecedented conditions. Uh, undoubtedly, there are teachers who have a more enthusiastic approach to online learning than others. 
for sure. Just like you have teachers who are more who are more enthusiastic teachers by nature in a conventional setting. There are teachers that are uh, far more engaged with like the online system than others, and it goes so much further than simply being um, technologically literate, right? Um, because we we all know that an online setting is not nearly as exciting as an in person one. Um, and as I mentioned before, right, like if you were actually in class at school, you'd be sitting with your friends and before class, you'd be class begins, you, you I don't know, you reminisce about a funny exchange over lunch uh, or or a humorous joke your teacher made in a previous class. Uh, the work is is far more collaborative uh, in class with the people around you. Um, your teacher goes on a little tangent, as I mentioned. And um, yeah, I mean, this is how I imagine class would be for many of us especially those who are enrolled in classes designed to be very social, right? Such as electives and language classes. I took a, a French class last quarter and it was, it was very engaging and very fun. And primarily, single-handedly, I would give the engagement to um, just the collaborative nature of the class, right? And I was sitting near, I wouldn't say close to, you know, because of COVID, but near a lot of, a lot of friends. I made some new friends and, it was just a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. So, you know, for me to you, I, I really sympathize that this isn't the case anymore. Um, I'm sorry. I know this is not the experience you or I desire for this quarter. Um, and not, not what you desire for high school or for college or university, wherever you are. Right. Um, but I mean, I can relate, right. I've been, I've been doing this from March to June, and then again in July and August, and once again for the past two weeks as I've been in quarantine. Um, so I, I just, I think I've adopted a few, uh, I would say more unique strategies. I tried to make these a little bit more, um, yeah, again, unique um, compared to just the classic. Find a schedule, find a routine, make yourself a to-do list kind of thing. I feel like that's, you know, that's, you should be doing that, um, whether or not you listen to this podcast or not. So, um, without further ado, I guess I'll just, um, go on to this. I feel like I'm filming one of those, uh, like YouTube advice videos, right? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, anyway, my, my first, my first strategy that has, uh, dramatically helped me, um, focus at home because that has, uh, certainly been a struggle of mine is, is music and, and not any sort of music. These, specific playlists and not even playlists these like tracks that just have ameliorated my concentration and attention span more than anything I kid you not um they're called binaural beats and it's like a scientific thing it's like a form of therapy um I don't know I just I it came up on my YouTube recommended one day and I was like hmm, I'll, I'll save this for later maybe I'll I'll listen to it while I do my math homework tomorrow might be fun to listen to. It might be better than silence, right? Um, and I tried out and it was amazing. Um, they are magical and somehow 10 minutes turns into three hours when I'm listening to one of these. Um, essentially, I don't really know how, how, how best to describe it, but it essentially just sounds like one long lo-fi track. Um, and it's kind of like a happy medium between lo-fi music and like a meditation track. In, in, in the sense that it's it's very continuous and um, it's 
Yeah, I don't know. But I, I did a little bit of research. And according to Medical News Today, uh, research is inconclusive. But it has been suggested that um, binaural beat therapy reduces stress and anxiety and increases concentration, which is very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'll link one in the show notes. I'll link my favorite because I've tried so many. Um, but you can just search uh, music for ADHD in the YouTube search box and several options will appear um and again with the music this isn't necessarily groundbreaking um but the 24-hour live lo-fi soundtrack um that has really helped me for more like i would say creative things i would say that i use the adhd music primarily like for math um and then the lo-fi soundtracks are just so good for like reading writing um, in fact, it's, it's what I listen to when I research for this podcast and write at my notes. So they're very fun. Uh, my next strategy is communicating with your teacher. That sounds so broad, but let me go on. Please just trust me. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound groundbreaking at all, but your teacher only knows what they know, especially if teacher has like, I don't know, a hundred students, right? They, they, they only know what they know. Uh, they cannot somehow detect that you're struggling to keep up with the curricula or you do not understand some content. I mean, unless, of course, your, your test scores dramatically decrease. But, I mean, no one wants to wait for that. And no teacher wants to see their students perform poorly on, on exams, right? So don't wait for that. Communicate with them. Send them an email. Uh, stay late after the Google Meet. Just try your best. Because I promise you, I have found it so, so helpful to communicate even just like the score I want to earn in class, the teacher. I mean, think like think about it. They they won't know you're aiming for a ninety five, unless you tell them. If you are consistently getting like eighties and you'd really like nineties, they're just gonna if you don't talk to them, they're just gonna assume that you're happy with eighties, and they're just gonna move on with their life, right? And they they want to help you, right? If they're if they're really a good teacher and they're really a good person, like they're gonna want to help you. They're gonna want to help you reach your goals. So. Just communicate with them and um, know that, like, I think this is, like, this is getting a little bit deep, but I think what it took me so long to understand that I was never, I guess, alone in, alone academically, in a sense. Like, I always felt that, like, the teacher was literally just, just there to, like, mark my tests, and it was just entirely up to me uh, as for whether the grade on that test would be an 80 or a 90 or 100. Um, but just trust me that your teachers want to help you. So um, go to their office hours, send them an email. Doesn't have to be super formal or dramatic. Just, oh my God, I literally like, this is dramatically increased my grades by just like simply asking for help. Um, I could even go on, but I won't. because <laughs> I know this is not super groundbreaking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know everyone's situation will range based on their teacher, but online learning is so much harder than conventional in-person learning, right? Um, so if they're not doing this already, I would encourage my teachers to put bonus marks or extra credit assignments in place. So you may have something to fall back on if you don't perform well on an assignment or exam. Um, I think this is particularly helpful for classes like math and sciences, when essentially your entire grade is based off of unit exams and maybe a few quizzes that are, let's be honest, worth a negligible fraction. 
So, um, of course, this will fall in your teacher to provide, but if you don't ask, you will likely not receive. And this especially goes out to those in like science courses that would um, probably have labs. I'm not, I'm not too sure um, what they're doing as for right now with labs and everything, because I'm not enrolled in the science course. But uh, last, the last quarantine from March till June, I was enrolled in two science courses and we had zero labs. Um, and I always kind of, I guess, relied on the labs for a good grade because I could easily do really well in those, but maybe on the unit tests, I wouldn't do so great. So I would ask, um, I, I know this is not very concrete advice, but this is what I'm doing. This is what uh, has helped me. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. So uh, my last piece of advice, and I know this is going to sound so cheesy, but please hear me out, is just making time for things you enjoy and not to be so hard on yourself. Um, yeah, that sounds vague, bland. Even I'm cringing as I say that. Um, but, okay, let me tell you guys a little cautionary tale to explain my point. So at the beginning of quarantine, like March, when it was essentially spring break, we didn't even have to, like, learn anything or do anything, I would get up so early. I would get up at the same time every day so early. I would force myself to read super intellectual books. I would only listen to intellectual and, like, current events podcasts and everything. Um... I studied so, so hard from March till June. And I don't, like, I don't necessarily regret that. And, well, I guess I do. But what I'm not saying here is those things aren't important. They, they certainly are. And, in fact, they still play a role in my life now, although I've changed that a little bit. Um, but then, as we kind of went back to school and everything, I was like, you know, like, I don't, I kind of wish I just chilled out a bit. Like, that was the most free time I'll ever get ever in my entire life, probably until retirement, right? Um, so I, I, I kind of wish I wasn't so hard on myself. And that kind of resulted on into like a, a, a lot of burnout. And um, overall, it just wasn't so great. So now, the second time over, um, I've just been more chill with myself, sleeping in a little bit more. Um, I have fewer classes, so I don't want to say I'm studying less. But even when I studied a ton from March till June, my grades didn't like rapidly increase or anything. It kind of just stayed where they were. So that was amazing. Um, awesome. But um, where am I going with this? Right. Now in quarantine, I've relaxed a little bit. I've, I'm allowing myself to sleep in. I don't force myself to go on long jogs in the morning or read books I don't even like. Um, and I think I've been much better off this way. And of course, I make a mistake. I'm not saying that uh, you should neglect your schoolwork um, in order to have a better quarantine experience and all that. That's certainly not the case. Um, there's a time and a place, and there should always be a time and a place for your schoolwork and for, uh, you know, um, keeping yourself involved in the world and everything um, as far as current events goes and everything. But, you know, we're amidst a pandemic, so just, you know, whether or not you have time at your disposal, I don't know your situation, but if you do... Maybe just read a book that you actually like. Watch a Netflix show that's not a documentary. Listen to a fun podcast. I guess that's all I have to say. Um, but I do have a podcast recommendation for you all. This, I've listened to this podcast series twice now. It's so addicting. It's so good. And it's probably the best podcast I've ever listened to. Um, this podcast is called Uncover. Uh, it's hosted by 
uh, a, bro- a broadcaster from CBC, and it's so good. It's essentially, I've only listened to season one, but I've listened to season one like three times. Um, it's about this cult called Nexium and how this um, ex-follower, I guess, of the uh, cult escaped. It's 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 a real it's a true story, and it's so interesting. Uh, and I've recommended it for so many people, and I think everyone would enjoy it. Truly, honestly, I, I really hope you check it out. Another thing I wanted to mention as well uh, was a timekeeper app. It's a timekeeper app called Toggle. I've been using this for for years. Uh, I really love it. It's a timekeeper app, so you can basically just time yourself uh, when you're doing certain assignments or projects, and it can really help you keep accountable if you're not studying enough or you're studying too much and you want to become more efficient in your studies and revision. So um, that's very interesting. I'll also link that below. And I think that's that's it. That's essentially all I've been really been keeping me, I guess, I want to say thriving, but I, I'm not really sure that'd be the case right now. I don't think that's even possible, but I hope you guys found that helpful. Awesome. Anything else to add? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about a podcast that I have kind of enjoyed, especially during quarantine to kind of keep me grounded. And I think I've recommended this podcast to you also, and it's called Other People's Problems. And it's basically just a recording of a therapist and her clients. And I always just go and choose an episode that I feel like resonates with me and how I'm feeling and I don't know it's just really helped me kind of ground myself and realize like you know everything's going to be okay and yeah um another thing that I've also found super helpful is just on YouTube if you search up like study with me or like there are like videos of like people studying for like an hour or two hours and I don't know, this has helped me just kind of motivate myself to work with like, I don't know, seeing other people studying motivates me to study and then it helps me get, you know, my homework done or study for a test. Those are great suggestions, Anson. Thanks for including those. Um, One last thing I wanted to add is violin music. This is, oh my God, you guys are probably going to think I'm insane for all of these suggestions and everything because they've been either vague and broad and cheesy or oddly specific. Whatever, it's fine. I'm shamelessly recommending that you guys all go listen to violin music. Spotify is a great playlist. Um, it just make, makes me so calm and it kind of makes my life seem like some sort of like drama film. Is it like aggressive violin music or is it like soothing violin all music? All of the above. Oh. I, I, I personally like the more aggressive stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of want to learn violin now, so I don't know. Please do it. I I might. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give up piano too soon though. I've 10 years going strong, so I want to keep up. Do both. Actually, it's probably, it's probably a good idea to do that. I feel like learning two instruments is is a really good idea. Because like, I kind of like learning more than language. Yeah, like, I read somewhere that, like, piano develops, like, one part of your brain and, like, violin develops, like, the other. I feel like you can get really, really good coordination with violin because you can get really good coordination with piano, right? 
because you have yeah. two hands, but it's two hands doing the same thing. But with violin, it's two hands doing two different things. I don't know. Mm. I, we're, we're going off a little tangent here about violin, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe by the next episode, I'll be learning violin. I'll keep you guys updated. Until then, uh, my name is Lindsay Nelson. I'm here with my co-host, Anson Wu. And um, this is You Do The Talking. Uh, we'll see you guys next two Fridays from now. Yeah. Have a great day. <laughs>